morning to the podcast listeners. Good morning, MP. Morning, John. Yes, it's great to be uh, with you on the podcast again. Always fun for us to do this. And of course, it's always our privilege to share a bit of time and, and mind space with those people who like to listen to our podcast. So thank you um, to everyone who's listening. Today, we are uh, introducing and then doing the first podcast of a series of value papers. But before I do that, uh, I would like to introduce to you the executive producer for the podcast, Janri Liebenberg. This is the first time you were allowed to speak, but you've been with the podcast from day one, which was January 2018, I think. Yeah, that's right. Hi, John, and hi to the listeners. Yeah, it's a privilege working behind the scenes. I think I prefer it, but it's also nice to say hi to everyone from my side. And uh, Janri has a, a young baby uh, on the video. We were able to see her holding the baby. This is a Minopi thing. Uh, the babies can join uh, podcasts, right, Janri? Yes, as long as they don't start shouting, they can join the podcast. Okay. Janri, quickly, your background? Okay, so I uh, studied pharmacy at the University of Northwest in Potchefstroom. And then in my second and a half year, I decided to switch to marketing. And I think it's the best decision I've ever made. So while I was studying, I worked for a company called Alts Mining um, and Construction. So that was my first introduction to the mining industry. And from there on, I went to work with MineRP and I've been with you guys now for six years. Wow, that's why you are the executive producer. Uh, MP, maybe we should start getting her into plant as we get into plant, you know, mass yeah. balance plants back to mine plants. What do you think? Yeah, I'll tell you what, as you just mentioned, Yandri was on um, maternity leave for a few months. And I realized very, very quickly that it takes a very special kind of person to to be able to put and, and keep on momentum and energy into the world of social media. So nobody was more grateful than I <laughs> when Yanri to rejoin us after her uh, maternity leave. And of course, now it works out well that she's working from home again for both of us and I'm sure that she also enjoys spending time with us as well as being home with her husband and her baby so at least one person in this room is is uh, grateful for what COVID brought the world <laughs> yes I think I'm one of the few people who really thinks that this lockdown has been good to me and my family because I've now been privileged enough to hang out with them a bit more but I must say I miss the office and coffee break so for me i'm ready to go back excellent let's move over to value papers mp when the uh, gong struck on the 23rd of march you got an instruction from our ceo tell us about uh, what was the instruction for value papers what was the purpose of it yeah the interesting thing was i, I remember i had a chat with leon cosgrove from our uh, asia pacific office He's our general manager there um, one evening and we talked about getting more people involved in doing papers, white papers, etc. And this is something that has been on my agenda for uh, for a long time. And the very next day I spoke with Peter Nell and, and he said, you know what, why don't we do some kind of thing where we invite our employees to to tell us about their ideas for, for how to uh, get mining clients more value from the MinerP platform. And uh, after a few more discussions, the, the idea for the mining value paper competition was born. And we decided to put out a competition where we could 
ask our employees to tell us about their ideas of how to get mining companies to to get more value from uh, from the MinerP platform. Maybe uh, give us an idea of the width or the breadth of it. You know, we we had from improving computing with GPUs all the way through to mine planning. <laughs> yeah, that was quite interesting. Yeah. You know, we had some of our people talking about the 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 way that you program graphical processing unit, uh, units versus CPUs and how that is better for the computations that we need to make, uh, all the way to, um, to the way that data uh, unlocks value. The time value of data is something that was uh, an interesting theme. Then we had people talking about the application of the platform outside of mining to solve non-mining problems. Some talked about the application in, in medicine and even in, uh, during this COVID crisis where spatially locating resources is an, is an important thing. We had people talking about the application of the platform in construction and in, in, in capital project management. And then, of course, within mining, we had quite a few people talking about you know, what it is that clients really want how they need to think differently about digitization, the way that we can uh, employ the platform to, to think differently about the way that we model and pass on geological information, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a surprisingly wide uh, front of papers that we got back. Um, and it, it really reminded me again of the fact that we've got a diverse but exceptionally talented pool of people inside of MinerP. Yeah, MP, and then uh, last question is uh, uh, also received um, papers from people that are supposed to write papers, but also from young geologists. Yeah. Well, you make it sound as if it's so surprising that a geologist would write something. <laughs> but yes, they actually wrote it in words and not only in numbers, you know. <laughs> Which, no, they're actually good at connecting the dots. Yes, it wasn't only from our mining executives. As a matter of fact, we didn't get a single paper specifically from our sales teams as such. It was all from our implementation teams and sometimes our software development teams and so on. So, so people who come into contact with the software in a really intimate way and come into contact with the clients and know their business problems intimately and have been able to connect those two uh, domains and who, who often get to think, hmm, I wonder why my client has never asked me for this application or what if we also use it in that way and those are the typical uh, people so younger people have who have think thought of novel ways to use the software but also some of our very experienced mining engineers surveyors the, the mining executives the ex-mining managers etc in our uh, in our team who who know about the problems that the industry have has always had and, and and ways that we can solve that. Epi, closing question then. How was the adjudication done for the winners? Uh, was it a fair process? No, it was completely fair. I chose the winners. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, it was actually done uh, by our entire Exco team and uh, it was done uh, across regions. By the way, we received input from uh, our offices out of every corner of, of the world where we have offices. And, uh, and what we did is we decided on, um, on a set of criteria up front. We distributed the papers to each of the, of the judges or adjudicators who, as I mentioned before, were the expert members of MyRP. Nine yes. of them. 
nine of them. And, uh, and they each ranked the papers, sent that into a central bank where we then uh, combined the scores and the highest score of each uh, week one. At the end of the week, uh, 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 competition, we then took the four winners and we as a group looked at that and, and decided who uh, we wanted to crown as the overall winner based on uh, A, the highest value that they could show could be unlocked for the client, but also the most innovative and novel papers that we that we thought and, and most well-researched papers that we thought uh, we were given. Now, we've received many papers, uh, I think around about 25 odd papers that we've received from teams around the world. And in the end, we had three winners for four weeks. Our first winner is, is Gary Rolf. And Gary gave us two papers, of course, being the overall winner. So I'm going to kick off with Gary and Gary uh, ask him to introduce himself. And thereafter, uh, I'll ask Donald Lekenge to uh, introduce himself and talk a little bit about the paper that he submitted, which was a really good one, talked about the value of data. And then we've got a, a team from Australia that have talked about a new way to, to think about, um, about wireframes and block modeling. And, and and the way that, that the platform would help us to do that. And I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves lastly. So welcome, guys. It's really good to have all of you here. Of course, as we publish these podcasts each week, we will also be publishing your papers together with that. And that'll go onto LinkedIn and all the social areas uh, that Minor P owns for everyone to see. So let's jump straight in. Gary, Rolf, why don't you talk to us very quickly about the two papers that you submitted for this value competition? Right. So thank you, MP. I'll introduce myself uh, quickly. So uh, I started off in the mining industry in 1988. The deep level uh, gold in South Africa. Fulfilled various roles uh, in various operations and uh, uh, ended up uh, being the principal mining engineer at uh, Anglo-American in a global role. Um, in 2014, I left there and did a job consulting and uh, also uh, spent two years at IBM as the lead mining and an associate partner before joining MinorP in 2018. Sorry for interrupting you, but you had a previous stint with, with, with a previous version of MinorP as well, didn't you? <laughs> I did for a short while, yes. Um, there's a long story around that, but uh, yes, I got transferred there when Anglo-American bought the previous version of MinorP called GMSI, um, and it. I was part of the founding team of, uh, of GMSI. Yeah, that's where I remember you from the first time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. The, uh, so the, the two papers I, uh, I submitted, the, the first one uh, I titled uh, What Mining Clients Really Want, and it's really about the fact that mining companies approach uh, experts uh, in certain aspects of their business to help them to drive operational performance, and that results in these islands of excellence uh, throughout the, the mining business. Um, but what the mining client really wants is to be, is the need to bring all of those uh, silos of excellence together uh, into one uh, or to bring the data into one platform, to one area, so that that data can be used to actually drive that operational excellence right across the whole uh, mining business. Right. The second paper I submitted was uh, about the project phases, uh, FEL1 right through to FEL4, and, and the fact that it is a very expensive and very time-consuming exercise, and we base multi-billion-dollar decisions um, on what we are hoping is the best option, uh, but is not necessarily the the best option uh, because of 
time constraints, budgetary constraints kind of skirt around the, the actual process um, of a true FEL 1 through to, to FEL 4. So, sorry, Gary, these projects that you're talking about, they are, uh, this is now mining studies, um, specifically mining studies. upfront mining yes. studies, yeah. Correct. Okay. Yep, uh, absolutely. And it, and irrespective of whether it's a, a green fields or a brown fields, uh, the yeah. process is exactly the same. And the time I spent uh, as principal mining engineer, uh, this was always a major headache uh, when we had to make recommendations to the board for investments. Okay, thank you so much. We'll, we, we'll jump into those a little bit uh, in somewhat more detail as we discuss that uh, later on. But let's move on to our next guest. One of our most prolific writers was Donald Lekenge, who is a geologist with Minor P and uh, one of our rising stars. And uh, Donald, why don't you quickly introduce yourself uh, to everyone and also give us a thumbnail sketch of your of your paper that you submitted, please. All right. Uh, thank you, MP. Uh, thank you for the for the invite. I'm really excited to be here uh, with you today and, and, and the rest of the guys. So a bit of background about myself. I started in the mining journey back in 2014, uh, straight from uh, varsity, just after completing my honors degree in BSc Geology. I worked as a graduate geologist at Anglo Gold Ashanti and later on moved into a project management uh, role um, where I was part of a team responsible for, for the implementing and developing of the reef boring technology. I have a strong foundation in production uh, production and economic geology and mining as well and, and including project management and digital transformation um, for the last two years. So I joined MinRP two years ago um, as a mining professional and, and an advocate for digitalization. And I play a crucial role as, a, as an impetus for, for data amalgamation and integration across the mining value chain in MinRP. The paper that I submitted was the importance of, of data uh, on how data can unlock value. And it just boils around uh, on how most mining companies or mining operations are shifting their strategies by adopting new business and operating models than ever before. And this is due to um, external factors like your like your global demand, market volat volatility, and, and, and even now what we're currently facing, your, uh, an, an outbreak of a, of a pandemic disease. <laughs> and, and in order for, for, for mining companies to break through these challenging times, mining companies need to start leveraging on digital tools and their capabilities to transform the key aspects uh, of their business by rethinking the way in which they generate and, and analyze and process data. So being involved in so many projects at MinorP, the common problem that I've uh, that I've encountered uh, with most of our clients is, is data and no ability to manage data, disperse data, silo-based system that produce so much valuable uh, data, but rarely is the is the data used for operational intelligence. So sometimes they even overlook the data and ignore what the data is telling them uh, or showing them. And later on, when things don't work out, uh, they decide then to go back and see what the data was saying. So that's the most uh, common problems that the, the industry is facing. So companies need to start realizing that they already have the answers to resolve their current challenges. And that is why MinRP plays such a crucial role in helping mining companies to realize and package a solution uh, that will best uh, suit their needs. And because uh, monetary value can be attached to managing of data. Francois Nodier explains this very well. And one thing again, MP, the ability to standardize the operation, consolidate the data, amalgamate the operation, and, 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 and having to run powerful analytical tools on the data. It sort of like enhances efficiency in the, in, in, in the operation. And, and, and if, if you enhance efficiency, you get better decision making, and you can also increase performance across the mining value chain as well. 
So yeah. Thank you so much, Donald. That's that's excellent. Um, we'll we'll dive into a little bit more details in a minute. Our last team uh, was, as I said earlier, a team from our Australian offices, and uh, they posed an interesting question: Why use block models? And they talked about how to think about doing this completely differently. So uh, Adrian Adams, Hannah Hurst, and Yolandi Kutsia, they were the three authors of the, uh, of the last paper. So Adrian and uh, Yolandi, Hannah, why don't you introduce yourself quickly and then maybe Adrian, you can do a thumbnail sketch of your paper afterwards. Hi, I'm Pete. Thanks for having us. Uh, I've been with Marapi a, a short while now, um, only about nine years or so. That makes me one of the more juniors in the company, I think. <laughs> and um, excuse me, I joined um, after spending uh, four or five years with Anglo-American Platinum, looking at first drill hole data collection and processing, and then eventually all of the MTS systems from a head office perspective. And um, before that, I was uh, doing some consulting for myself after spending quite a long time in the, the gold mining industry, working at some of the larger gold mines on the, right. on the West Rand and uh, being involved in sinking the deepest single lift shaft complex in the world but afterwards just mining you know it's a hole in the ground is a hole in the ground so, uh, <laughs> you, um, you have always been a data man though haven't you uh, i remember from the first presentations that i've seen you gi uh, give you've always been interested in systems and data um, and not only in the mechanics of how mines work oh uh, yes because um, the, the data tells you what's what's going on and if you if you can understand it and if you can trust it and make sure that you have the right data, which sort of lines up with what Donald is saying, there's there's a story to be told. And um, being the geological background, um, that's all about uh, telling stories. You know, it's yeah. uh, I always describe geology a bit like trying to describe the fence when the only thing that people can see are strands of wire. <laughs> that's really good. That's really good. Of course, you'll have many people that agree with you, especially mining engineers, that uh, geologists are good at telling tales. I mean, stories. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I, I, I think you're a bit outnumbered here today. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Geologists are a little bit like a meteorologist. That's what my dad used to say, you know? I don't know if you can trust them that much. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Lonely, so while you've got the mic, why, why don't you introduce yourself? Yep. So Adrian's right. He is a junior because I've been here for about 13 years now. <laughs> yes, people, we do tend to stick around in Monopy. It's a good company to work for. Yes, yeah, so I've been with Monopy that long. Started off in the uh, development team as a project manager. And then when we started implementing our Minecraft SDV solution, I transitioned into enterprise project management. Around 2010, uh, Peter now asked me to go and manage a project in um, Australia, and that's where I am today still. <laughs> so mm. 10 years later, <laughs> still doing enterprise projects here, um, working across, of course, a lot of different geographies and time zones and you know, managing large projects with, with a lot of uh, risk and, and intricacies. It's very exciting, you know? It's, it's never well, boring sure on one of those projects. <laughs> You must have seen a lot of change in the way a, that projects are implemented, but also in the way that mining companies think about what these kinds of technologies should be able to deliver, right? Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. Yeah, it's, it's changed tremendously over the years. Great, thank you, Landy. Uh, last but not least, Hannah. Hannah Hurst, why don't you jump in and uh, tell us more about yourself? 
Hi, MP. I'm actually the baby of the group, so I've been with Mainaki for seven years in August. Um, I started with the company in 2013 as right. an enterprise consultant, and before that, I studied geology at university. So we really have lots and lots of geologists with us today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was involved with an implementation project in the Philippines for our collaborator suite. Mm. And over my years, I've gained uh, good knowledge of the MineRP products and how they can add value to many facets of the mining operation. Yeah, MineRP is a really good, good company to work for. And I guess that's why I've stayed for so long because as Yolandi says, it's never boring and, yeah, it's always changing. And I really yeah. believe that the products can add value to lots of different areas in mining, as, as some of these papers have, have demonstrated, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks, Hannah. Adrian, will you jump in quickly and tell us about how you as a geologist could attack the holy grail of block models. <laughs> Your paper actually talks about a game-changing approach, approach to resource modeling. Why use block models? Yes, because it's it's not really so much the block models that are holy grail, because geologists right. are really interested in describing the ore body in the best way that they can. And, um, you know, uh, Yulandi, Hannah and myself, we've been working with, with block models extensively the last, seven or eight years lots and lots of them actually and yeah with literally literally trillions of tons of material in them and all of them are aiming to do the same thing which is to give a good description of the ore body but because of this extensive experience with uh, with our clients and some of them with really large um, block model repositories um, it seems that there's lots of circumstances where a block model isn't really the most efficient or best way of representing the ore body. So right. we, so, we sort of had a look at it and said, but, you know, the block models appear to be a, a construct to try and describe the ore body in certain ways. And, and some people keep on using them because they're there, not because they're the best way of, of representing um, what's going on. So okay. we've, been, we've been thinking about this for a while and thinking, well, if there weren't block models, how would you describe the, the ore bodies? So we're not necessarily saying that um, um, going to wireframe or solid models is the only alternative, but we wanted to highlight that there are certain problems in dealing with, with, with block models. And, and now that we're getting more and better uh, computing power and, and technologies and platform approaches, might be the time to consider those alternatives to then just you know blindly sticking with we've always used block models and nothing will work unless we use block models mm. um, and, and that's really what informed um, our paper so it is as you say it's it's all about getting a complete view of the ore body and and improving not only what you know but when you know it about the ore body i i, I think that touches on on the time value of, of data that uh, that Donald spoke to, right? Yes, I, I think there's, there's quite a lot of, of what Gary and Donald have been saying that's sort of encapsulated and built into, into our approach. Because if we can do things uh, quicker, more accurately, and um, in, a, in a simpler way, you know, we think overall that might be a better answer than just sticking with the way things are always done. Donald said something that uh, that I found interesting just now in your introduction, Donald. You you talked about 
being able to use the uh, you know use data during the operational phase and not only kind of looking in your rear view mirror once something has happened or not happened and then using that to analyze so donald do you, do you really think that using data uh, appropriately or, or or in time can help companies mine better uh, i think i think it is important MP, when it comes to uh, handling data time is everything uh, the time value decaying yeah. and the time value of data is so important so and most organizations are still trying to wrap their head around how how to make a faster decision based on their data uh, because data is good now and not next week or the following week to wait for measuring day to get that answer so data is is, is good now and not not in a couple of days or weeks when you when you're doing a a mining study you use the mineral resource definitions to give you confidence uh, in the area of uh, you know where you you basically attacking. So to put it simply, you make sure that when uh, you know you, the first few years of your uh, proposed project design and and uh, extraction schedule is within a measured block. Mm -hmm. uh, so my question to Adrian and his team is that if you're not going to be using block models in this sense, um, how does your approach now uh, deal with this uh, this thing about having confidence in in uh, the ground that you are aiming to to mine? Um, okay, so I'll, I'll I'll jump in on that one. When when we uh, suggested that you could use wireframes to describe the ore body, uh, we weren't necessarily uh, saying that you'd only use one set of wireframes. One of the reasons that people like block models is because they can apply multiple attributes to different blocks. So they can add a, add confidence and grade to the same block, and then they can filter by that and get different results. Um, so if you're doing an alternative you would need to understand uh, important um, things like uh, uh, confidence and describe them. So if you were using wireframes, you'd need different volumes to describe the different attributes. And they're not necessarily exclusive, right? You could uh, attach multiple attributes to different wireframes, but obviously the detail would need to be descriptive enough. If you had too much variability in a multi-attribute wireframe, it wouldn't be very useful, right? So you might end up with multiple zones. But an advantage is it may be easier and quicker to have those zones as discrete descriptions than to have to interrogate a block model for multiple attributes to try and understand what's going on. Um, and one of the things that we notice is that people look at block models only from the surface and sometimes only in perspective. You know, very few people have the ability to step through fence by fence and really interrogate the block model and each of its attributes to understand exactly how things look. Sometimes that's only available to the people who produce the, the block model because a lot of the systems that hold the data aren't very good at publishing them. I mean, people literally spend time peering over the shoulder of an expert to interrogate the data, right? And those minutes are sometimes the only time they get to spend with the data in detail. So having simpler shapes that are easier to disseminate gets around that problem. Pretty so so you, 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 you're probably going to end up, uh, Gary, with multiple sets of uh, solids describing different aspects of your of your ore body. So Gary, if you, if you think of the process of mind design using wireframes as opposed to um, block models to describe your ore body, what are the implications for this on, on the typical approach of software to understand the ore body in order for you as a mining engineer to create an appropriate design. 
Well, once again, it's uh, when you're doing your your mine design and, and particularly your extraction schedule, uh, there are a lot of cons the things you have to take into consideration. Grade being one, mineralogy being one, you know, and that is uh, still on top of the actual mining sequence and your geotechnical constraints and all that, uh, which has to be taken into account when you're putting your mine design together. So uh, again, it just points towards the need for a, a true platform that can bring all this data together for you and make it easily accessible for you as the mining engineer doing the actual mine design. And, and the more data you have, the better you are going to be at actually designing the mine uh, and then the extraction sequence, uh, which is vital. The following question I had for, for Adrian there and his team was, this could therefore also extend into the actual mineralogy, the, the, the composition of the ore. Uh, which is very important to a lot of uh, mining businesses um, because their extraction process or beneficiation process um, can be very sensitive to certain um, elements that come through and blending input, uh, blending on surface uh, becomes a very, very important uh, step in driving operational performance uh, for those businesses. You know, so um, my question to Adrian was then, so can this also be extended into things like the actual mineralogical composition of the ore? Oh, for sure, for sure. In, in, in fact, um, you know, one of the things that we noticed was that people would uh, take wireframes, turn them into block models, pass them on, and the recipient, like an engineer, would take the, the block model, filter it, and then immediately turn it back into a wireframe by stepping through it in sections and, and turning it into outlines and then linking the outlines together. And we sort of said, but you know, wouldn't it be easier to just have those wireframes from the get-go? And we didn't spend uh, too much time examining that, that aspect, but when you look at alternatives to, to block models, you would actually be thinking of it in terms of analogs, right? Things that are the same in terms of the mining for the consumer of the data. So if the consumer of the data is, say, an engineer, right, you'd need to present him with your version of the of the geology that makes sense in terms of making it easy for him to plan. Or if you were the metallurgist, you'd need to present the um, the version of the, the the geology as a resource model to him in a way that makes it easier for him to know how the plant is going to react. So you'd, you'd, you'd have to say, oh, okay, planners want economic wireframe or metallurgists want uh, mineralogical um, domains, things that will behave the same for, for the plant. And, and right. all of this is actually good as far as, as we're concerned, because we think that uh, doing that means that everybody's focused on satisfying their customer, giving the person who's going to consume their data, the data in the way it's good for them. I mean, I think Donald maybe has, has something to say about people who generate data sometimes spend way too much time generating the data for themselves and not for the people who are going to use it. Um, yes, Adrian, I think we've experienced that quite a lot working together with you. I think most people, they spend a lot of time um, collecting and, and, and actually uh, trying to create reports um, instead of just uh, letting the system to uh, automize the reports and them focusing on the real work and what they need to do. So they spend more time collecting and 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 analyzing and instead of letting the, the automation or the system just to do that for them. Guys, I think we need to draw this to a close. This is clearly 
going into some very interesting areas. Each of these papers we are going to handle in much more detail, and uh, I'd like our listeners to uh, keep their eye out over the next four weeks because we are going to have four episodes in which we're going to talk in detail about each one of these uh, papers. Just to remind you again, the first paper was by Gary Rolf, What Mining Clients Really Want, and, uh, looking at, at typical problems and, and, and how those problems are changing over time. The second was by Donald Lekenge, and he talked about the time value of data, or, or as he called it, uh, data unlocks value. It makes me think of uh, one of our uh, heads of strategy, uh, John McGannon, who always says, if you want to have a digital twin, you know, twins are born on the same day. You have to have the data and the physical at the same time. Then uh, the third paper by Hannah, Yolandi and Adrian on uh, why you use block models, a game-changing approach to resource modeling. And lastly, Gary again, unlocking more value from your project front-end loading. Uh, so we're looking forward to spending a lot of time with each one of you. Thank you so much for your time today. Donald, Adrian, Yolandi, Hannah and Gary, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on and uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you very, very soon again. Thank you, MP. I think for me, when when uh, Peter Nell introduced the competition, um, I think I saw it as him handing us the baton to represent minority and me having the, the opportunity to, to have worked with uh, big dogs or people that I look up to, like your, your Gary and, 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 and Adrian, uh, Yulandi, you know, I've recently just started working with her. Uh, for me, it was a real pleasure and, and I've learned a lot. I think for me, uh, when I when I started to submit for the competition, it wasn't more about winning, but it was more just about growth and and learning. Because my second paper, um, I think if you just look at the paper, I actually uh, copied what uh, Gary submitted on the first paper. I just copied the format, and and because my first paper was not that good, so I actually read uh, Gary's first paper, and I actually copied how he the style of of writing that he uh, that he submitted on his first paper, and I actually won the second round. So. Uh, for me, it was yes. just about learning and and copying what people that people that I look up to just copy what they're doing and 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 hoping that you know one day I'll also uh, be in, in the same league that they are uh, at the moment. <laughs> thank you, MP, and thank you, Peter, for the wonderful opportunity that that you guys gave me, and and thank you to the to the big dogs, <laughs> Gary and and Landy and and Adrian and the rest of the team. Thank you. You're way too kind, Donald. Gary, Adrian, Milandi, Hannah, thanks a lot. Uh, and, and everyone else, uh, we'll be speaking to you soon. And, uh, and then we'll hear in detail for, about the rest of the papers. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.